Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing today, Katie? Good, how are you? I'm doing good and I'm excited to talk about a couple of pretty fun movies that we were both fortunate enough to see this week. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw Deadpool 2 and we saw Solo. So today's just going to be a pretty quick reaction video, I think, kind of briefly cruising over both of those. Full spoiler warning, if you yeah. haven't seen either of them yet, I would hold off on this until you do. And I would say maybe just on a non-spoiler review, I would recommend seeing them both. Yes. If you haven't seen them yet, I thought I thought they were both worth seeing. Yeah, I, I enjoyed both of them. And I also wanted to see if we might briefly comment, although it won't be the main thing, on two other movies recently seen, Blockers. Oh, yeah. And also... Um, a Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. Well, I like that. It's a four-movie thing, but the first, but the two I just named will be kind of quick because I don't know. Should we go in the order with which we saw the, all these movies? Is that the best way to organize That works this? for me. So starting with A Quiet Place. Yes. Uh, a Quiet Place was pretty fun. Um, so it was a unique kind of movie experience for me. Um, what I like that John Krasinski produced it or directed it. I sometimes or wrote it. He did something terms. important. <laughs> he had a primary leadership role in creating <laughs> the film, um, and it was pretty pretty tense. I think this was one of these ones where my chair was fully reclined, but by the end my neck was sore because I was lurching forward so far. And my significant other was also with seeing that movie, which she's very averse to scary movies and. Had her head covered by her coat and her ears plugged for, I would say, about 60 to 70% of it. <laughs> it was really so, scary. It was very scary, yeah. Uh, a couple of really good jump scares. I like the kind of quiet mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, there were a couple of uh, me just being a little bit nitpicky things where, like, at one point, uh, the, the, the woman played by John Krasinski's wife, whose name I'm forgetting, um, do you know her name? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, thank you, yeah. Um, she drops a picture frame and the monsters hear that and come inside. But then at another point, the children are like rolling down the road in a pickup truck and it's not turned on. It's just rolling. But I was like, I feel like that would be a lot louder than dropping a picture frame. But those are just little details. No, it's a good point. And the premise of the movie, if anyone oh, sure. hasn't seen it and, and they're listening, is just basically that if you make any noise, these monsters come out and kill you. Yeah. And it starts off early on with their little boy... <laughs> Yeah. Playing with a toy at, that his his parents took out the batteries because it made kind of I think it was a rocket ship that yes. made beeping noises, and his his sister, um, you know, felt bad that he wasn't able to play with it, so she gave it back to him. But then he turned it on and it made the beeping noises, and a monster came and got him, and the dad runs towards him. So right away, you know, this is not going to go easy mm -hmm. on you. This is going to be really tough and so it reminded me a little of i mentioned before of hush the um episode of buffy where they don't talk the whole time and it's surprisingly creepy and this is had some of that i mean you know it's the other big thing i think building suspense the whole time is that um the 
mom in the movie is is pregnant with another child mm-hmm. and so you're already thinking ahead like when she goes into labor and has the baby like how are they going to be able to stay quiet to prevent these monsters from bothering them and so they build these kind of quiet spaces mm-hmm. that they that they can work around um and then they have her step on a nail and, Ooh, oh, that was probably the toughest part for me to watch because the nail goes right into her foot and and uh, she doesn't really make any noise if I'm remembering right. Maybe just a brief like yeah. Uh, I think I screamed yeah. out of sympathy. Oh my gosh. For it. And you know, I've seen some people talk about how this movie is could be seen as an analogy of like an anxious family and Maybe, I don't know, because one of the things that stood out to me is that, and I'm calling them by the actors' names because usually I pull up IMDb and I don't, well, they don't use each other's names that much. Not really, much, no. So. I probably didn't know any of their names by the end of the movie. Yeah. It wasn't really a, a lot of the character development in that sort of way, but. No, because you're right. They, I mean, they don't, well, they, they don't, don't really, really call each other. No. Yeah, so that, that would be an opportunity to hear it. But it's interesting because the, um, so the youngest son dies early on in the movie and then there's another son and then a daughter who has a severe hearing impairment, mm-hmm. which is in- interesting how they worked that in because he's basically trying to make a hearing aid to help her to be able to hear things. But it kind of plays in an interesting way in the movie. But one thing that happens is she kind of wants to, he goes out you know, to get food or to get other supplies that they need. And the daughter is very eager to do that, but their son is not. He's anxious about it because he's worried, well, for a good reason, that a monster is going to get him if he makes a noise. But because for survival they have to do that, his dad basically, he he makes him Mm -hmm. go out with him and kind of pushes him. And that did remind me a little bit of exposure i mean it's not ideal because the risk is accurate but he is saying like the world is scary and dangerous but you kind of have to figure out how to manage it anyway and so i thought that was kind of an interesting aspect of it yeah absolutely it it was very cool and then how the hearing aid that he plays into it kind of plays into uh when the monsters get closer they have very sensitive hearing and it kind of interacts with this homemade um hearing device that the father has made and kind of scares off the monsters so that was interesting in addition to the daughter who's experiencing some i think pretty complicated grief because she was the one who gave her little brother the batteries back right away yeah which ultimately led to him getting caught by the monsters and it seems like there's some tension uh between the relationship with her and her father where she feels like her father never forgave her for um giving the batteries back to the little son um but the dad clearly still loves her and doesn't blame her for it but of course there's uh just a lot going on and and it seems like the that relationship isn't really clarified and and repaired until pretty close to the end of the movie yeah that was really sad to see how much she felt like her dad just doesn't love her yeah And, and you think about that setting of dealing with grief while you're constantly on edge Mm -hmm. and scared that something is going to happen and you can't talk about it Mm -hmm. which is obviously a main way people communicate and thinking about a baby coming it's like you're in you know hyper vigilant mode just almost constantly i mean Mm -hmm. even when they're playing board games to kind of pass the time they knock something over Mm -hmm. and it makes a noise and so living like that it's hard to imagine processing it they kind of have to be to prevent something bad Mm -hmm. from happening and so so anyway i think it was overall just a like a unique thriller Mm -hmm. type movie that had some sweet moments and and some 
unexpected ways that things were worked in and a somewhat hopeful ending though kind of sad too but yeah i mean the main thing is they figure out how to conquer the monsters yes so and the hearing aid that the dad built is key in that which Mm -hmm. is a nice way so overall two thumbs up from katie yep two two or one and a half thumbs up from brandon okay out of two thumbs total Uh, probably not a movie that I'll pick up on Blu-ray. Oh, um, I, I don't think I can ever watch no. it again. <laughs> I'm glad for having seen it in the theater, but it's yeah. it's uh, I, I like comedies are more like the things that I watch over and over again. And also, although it was good, I don't think there's anything more I could get from it from watching it yeah. again. It, it it was if we can go back to some of the old parlance we've used about movies in this podcast for it wasn't a thinker. <laughs> It was a it was a fun ride, but it wasn't a real thinker. So it's not a lot for me to think about stuff. Yeah. So that's that's a quiet place. Yeah. Next, blockers. Yes, blockers. Which the, I almost feel weird telling people that I like. Yeah. I saw it in the movie theater twice because mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a ton. I mm-hmm. saw it because I wanted to see a comedy and yeah. went to go see it. And was it's... that immediately after a quiet place? You just went right out of theater <laughs> eight and into theater seven. I would have if I had an opportunity, yeah. but the other reason is Ike Barinholtz is in it and he's been, um, you know, he's been in a few DC movies like he was in suicide squad in a more serious role. But what yeah. I really love him in is in the Mindy project. Oh. He plays Morgan and he's, like he, everything he does is just so funny. So I was really inclined to see that, and okay. I also like a lot a lot of the other people who are in the in the movie too. But the premise is basically it's an, kind of interesting, like that adolescence. And I I don't remember if we briefly mentioned this in the podcast in passing before, but basically it's prom night, and there are three adolescent girls going to prom, and the parents are concerned about their personal, romantic, and sex life, and so it's kind of a weird premise. But I. And I thought it was going to be all laughs, but I actually think it has some nice messages in mm-hmm. it, and it was very funny, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend it. Yeah, I do too. I think I almost fell out of my seat laughing a few <laughs> it's times. so funny. John Cena never oh fails to surprise me with how like, very funny he mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I thought his character was really good. And I really, for some reason, what really stuck with me was like the random jokes about Fast and Furious at yes. one point. I don't know why that really stood with me or stuck with me, but I thought that was really funny. But yeah, you're totally right. The, the it leaves you with like it, it's just full of really quite rowdy or crude humor, depending on how you want to label it, which was very funny. But then at the end, you leave with this nice message of like, you know, people can just go at their own pace in life and do things when they're ready and that's okay and i thought that was nice i agree i mean i think that there are a lot of negative depictions of parent-child relationships of course that happens in Mm -hmm. in real life but in this case there are parents through various ways were acting in non-ideal ways Mm -hmm. not having good boundaries for sure some being more like controlling and overly involved whereas ike Barinholtz's character it was like disappeared for a while mm-hmm. and stuff like that but ultimately they recognize that they're that their adolescent girls they're basically they're graduating high school they're becoming adults and the main important message is to be supportive mm-hmm. and be you know, they're a parent, they're looking out for them, but the message is basically they've given their children all of these tools to navigate mm-hmm. the world and kind of like they need to trust them a little bit. They can't control what they're mm-hmm. doing and just being there for them means a lot. And so it was actually, I thought, very sweet. And then it also shows the parents connecting like 
they're going to be friends and maybe use those connections now that their daughters are going off to college and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it ended up being sweet. And I also just think, well, maybe especially after watching 13 Reasons Why, that showing a number of like teenagers who have healthy relationships, healthy romantic, sexual, and friendship relationships, like... I know it's not like that everywhere, but it's nice to see several samples of that instead of just like every person is horrible or whatever, yeah, you know, the like best it wasn't, people are terrible. yeah, instead it's like they were good at communicating with each other. They were sweet and supportive. You know, yeah, yeah. It was like, and kind of, you know, awkward, like teenagers. Yeah. And I mean, some people never outgrow it like myself and <laughs> the awkwardness, but like, you know, so I think. It, it was sweet and very funny. It's definitely something I would watch again. That's probably one that I would get on Blu-ray. Yeah, the Brandon it, Blu-ray test. Yep, the bland. <laughs> the, I almost combined that. You're not the bland. bland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that one. That that's my that's my review. I, I like. I that think one. it's best because I think if we talk about too many details, it won't be as funny for our no, listeners when no. they immediately go watch yeah, it. That's right. Let's move on to Deadpool <laughs> okay. too. Uh, you've never seen Deadpool one, which I. I didn't know until after Deadpool 2. And my first reaction to Deadpool 2 was that I wouldn't have liked it if I didn't <laughs> see Deadpool 1. Because I think there's a lot of payoff in Deadpool 2 that wouldn't feel worthy without the character development that you get in Deadpool 1. I need to watch the first Deadpool because it is very possible, in fact likely, that I missed some things from not having seen the first one. I still enjoyed the movie, but... I think some parts probably seemed more like actiony without character development than like that character development might have been there and I just missed it because mm-hmm. I didn't know some of his backstory. Oh yeah, I the whole first movie is kind of his origin okay. and start. So yeah, yep. I think that uh, I'll be curious to talk to you more after you see the first one. But but I I like the second one a lot. Um, I was surprised. So the the point and during the whole course of the first film. Um, Vanessa, his significant other, uh, he meets her near the beginning and then they're separated and then she's kind of kidnapped and at the end they're finally reunited and she accepts him. He has severe burns. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the first movie, a spoiler for you, he pulls off his Deadpool mask Mm -hmm. and he has a stapled picture of Hugh Jackman on his face (laughs) because he's embarrassed Mm -hmm. of how he looks and he thinks he Mm -hmm. won't accept her. And then she plucks that off and she accepts him as you see in the beginning Mm -hmm. of the second movie. But then right away in the second movie, they just they just killed her right off yeah. already. And I was like, man, a life, you know, mm-hmm. these two characters are so fun together and they have such a fun like relationship dynamic and clearly are so enamored with one another that they took that all away right away. And I was like, well, that's kind of a shame. Um, of course, all completely undone in the post credits when Deadpool has time travel. Abilities. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that that's it. Yeah, it seems like right. They that's the motivation they go with right away. Like yeah. the loved one is gone, and so like now everything stems from mm-hmm. that. Exactly. So yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice. But overall, I liked the movie. The standout for me was Domino, even though she's yeah. not featured uh, a whole bunch. She was the highlight of the movie for me. I thought she was so funny. She was good. I I like that they kind of like go to the extent of saying luck is not a superpower. And she's like, yeah, it is. And they're kind of like, no, it's boring. It's not something that's very cinematic. As she like walks through and repeatedly avoids disaster after disaster just because she's lucky. I thought that was 
really clever that they presented it that way. I thought that was cool. And I liked um, Russell, the little boy. And it, mm-hmm. That's his name, right? Yep. Okay. I thought he was... Fire Fist. Yeah, Fire Fist. <laughs> I, liked, I liked his character a lot. So funny. You know, all of the breaking of the fourth wall stuff, I think, is interesting. And, like, how they do, like, meta commentary mm-hmm. doing that. I, I think that's kind of fun. And so even it's, like, a one-off, but in the beginning... It's like Deadpool's kind of talking about, like, do you ever consider being a superhero? And he's like, hey, I haven't seen many plus-size superheroes. And it's kind of like a a side thing, but I think it's kind of a meaningful point about oh, yeah. how having models that we identify with can influence about what we view as mm-hmm. possible. And so I thought that was nice that they that they included that. I... I liked the, which I've talked about, the the various pop culture references, yeah. which I caught like two out of the 600, because you yeah. sent me that video of like 600 of them. But um, it was really funny that Yentl was a recurring theme in it, which is, um, for anyone out there who doesn't know, it's kind of, it's a movie based on a short story about a woman who wants to be a rabbi, but women are allowed to be rabbis, so she pretends that she's a man. And and is played by Barbara Streisand, and it's like, as you can tell from that description, it's like a pretty, I don't know, it's a a kind of serious movie and short story. But the way they go into it is that he and his girlfriend are like talking about like getting into the mood, and that they're gonna watch some like I think they're gonna watch some like sexy video thing. But then it cuts to them watching Yentl. <laughs> It's like so ridiculous. I think I might have been the only one laughing in the theater about that. And I tried not to laugh too loud, but I thought that was very funny. And then I'm like, okay, that's a funny Yentl joke. But then they like return to it multiple times because he's like at telling the bartender, he's like, I think Frozen's Do You Want to Build a Snowman is really, <laughs> Papa, can you hear me from Yentl? And then I, people compare them side by side on YouTube and they do sound alike. Sure. And then there's another Yentl joke towards the end where... I won't go into it too much, but it's a reference basically to someone attacking him and it has to do with the um, gender part of it, but it's kind of crass, so I'll let you see that and I, on your own. But it's like, I did not expect that to be a recurring joke, so I yeah. thought that was cool. And then the other thing that I thought was cool is the day before we went, I was listening to the musical Les Miserables, which is one of my favorite musicals and just one of my favorite stories in general. And in one of, the, when they're like, strategizing about a, a prison scene, the Prisoners 24601, which is um, Jean Valjean, the primary character in Les Miserables. That's his number when he's incarcerated um, on the chain gang. And um, also Valjean is played by Hugh Jackman, of course, who's Wolverine, in the movie version of Les Miserables, which I was just like, that's cool that yeah. they have these little easter eggs throughout it and and they're it's a big mix like they do some of the more obvious things like they joked about dc universe yeah. or something like that but then in addition to that they bring these all these yeah. other types of references is the first movie like that too yeah okay yeah. that's fun i so, some of those were too subtle for me so there's probably some in the first movie that you'll catch that i totally missed no i'm sure i'll miss those too i only know the ones that were like the <laughs> happen to map onto my own personal history sure. of what I've been exposed to. So I did love that they uh in the first movie he goes to the the uh Professor Xavier school mm-hmm. as well and they only have Colossus and teenage um full yes. superhero name that I can't remember. Um 
And he makes a joke like about how they can't afford the studio can't yeah. afford other uh, X Men characters too. So it was so funny to me in this one when the, they pan over and they actually had like the cast from X Men First Class there, like shutting the door yeah. on them, <laughs> which is also kind of funny because like that those like folks who play those characters that movie takes place quite a long time ago and like the timeline so it's also like kind of goofs up the whole timeline so i kind of liked all of that though i thought it was really fun um he they definitely repeatedly in the movie violate expectations and they there's something i i like the irreverence like i like that it breaks taboos they do things that you don't expect to happen and they talk about things that you don't expect yeah. them even for deadpool like yeah i i think that's that's a feature of the character that I really like because I do I find that irreverent, like cringeworthy humor mm-hmm. very funny. And so I know some people are just like uncomfortable about it, but I, I like that they that they are like on the edge like they do the things that you're they say things you're not supposed to yeah. say. <laughs> I, I like that did you see the trailers for Deadpool too? Or many of them? I don't think so. Oh, so they showed they actually had quite a pretty cool misdirect. His little superhero team that he recruits they actually have like battle scenes with them. Oh. But nope, not in the movie. They all <laughs> none of them make it to the ground. <laughs> because of bad. the high winds. <laughs> Super I think that was the part of the movie where I laughed the hardest. Yeah. I don't know why, but when Deadpool gets stuck on the sign and he looks up and you just see everyone in their parachutes just flying all over that part was very funny to me um and brad pitt in the movie too playing the vanisher just for like one second yeah i didn't catch that one and i i thought that i but that's where i like too it's like i think marvel is really good at not taking itself too seriously i love dc movies i am a dc loyal fan but i think that deadpool it's most obvious i think Mm -hmm. they do this in other movies too but they yeah, they have this the the X forces together, and mm-hmm. he's even like X Men, and you know that's too biased. We want to be yeah. more inclusive. It's X Force and all this stuff, and then it's like they're all getting into battle, but then it's like it's, it feels like it's completely like a, a parody or something mm-hmm. like that. It's so, and I think that's fine that they can laugh at themselves, even though there were some pretty serious parts in the oh, film yeah. too. So maybe we should talk about those too. I mean, one thing is that Deadpool definitely has suicidal ideation. I mean, mm-hmm. even when... So he he knows that he's going to come back to life like when he lights himself on fire, which yep. is, again, that's pretty serious movie stuff oh, there yeah. that, he, that happens pretty early on. But then when he finally... There's a way to restrain his power so that he might actually die and people are trying to intervene. He's like, no, I've been trying to do this for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to die. And... Um, that's really dark. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I mean, you can kind of see that he, like a lot of superheroes, like blames the bad things that happen to his loved ones on who he mm-hmm. is and who he's been involved with. And I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But are there other parts from the first Deadpool that contribute to that? No, I think it was all kind of related to the the Vanessa death okay. part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he really just seemed to blame himself for that. And, and in a lot of ways, like he even says this in the movie, like, she's kind of the only person he cares about so i think that especially towards the front half of the movie is pretty true so losing mm-hmm. her was really like losing almost everything he cared about but you know and i feel like so this is just my personal reaction but mm-hmm. going along with this idea of this irreverence i feel like when he is starting to die at the end and then he's in heaven and or wherever he yeah. is he's in the afterlife and he's with vanessa and he's totally happy i'm sitting here like Part of me from, like, just a suicide prevention lens, personal opinion was, like, 
okay, so he, he wants to die and he can be saved, but he doesn't want to because he's fantasizing about this perfect way of things being mm -hmm. his problems are solved after he dies. Now, he dies and, like, comes back, so it's, like, not perfectly mapping onto mm -hmm. reality, but people who have suicidal thoughts often are thinking like that, that it's mm -hmm. there's something better they're fantasizing about even though they don't know what's going to happen next. But then I thought, like, they might concern about that completely went away because basically she's like no you're not ready yet you have mm -hmm. to take care of russell like that's what you're supposed to do you do have a purpose in life you're you are contributing and even though he doesn't view himself that way you know that now that's your job and so i thought that was not to read too much into it it's a fictional story but to me that was my impression and i thought that was rather touching that you know it's like no, you actually do have some good in you, despite all of the things that you feel have been negative. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, I like that. So that's that's my way of reading into it, and I think it also shows like he's just capable of loving Vanessa. I think he is also capable of caring for Russell, despite mm -hmm. the things he's been through, almost as a as partially as a legacy to their relationship mm -hmm. too, since they wanted to have children. And here's this. This kid who needs him. Yeah. Know. Yeah, I think that's really emphasized when she is telling him, like, she says, well, they need you. And he says, who? And then he turns around and kind of sees all of these people who are kind of standing over him while he's, he's dead. Yeah. So, yeah, that that is a nice part. Yeah. And it, it kind of broadens the way that he's thinking. I mean, whether you want to think that's Vanessa or it's some other point of wisdom that comes into his mind that yeah. makes him not want to die, I think that that's... Important. And again, he's been through a lot. I'm not saying that that it's not, you know, it's understandable mm -hmm. for why he would feel that way. So anyway, I thought that was nice amidst all the very, very yeah. funny, weird stuff. What did you think of Cable? Cable. Oh, uh, he was, oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought sorry. you were just setting yourself up. Oh. I think uh, he was the character who came back in time. Oh, Yeah. I should know that. That's okay. <laughs> Edit this out. I don't want I any will. of you to know. <laughs> Seeing too many movies. Um, yeah, that. So that was super interesting because ultimately, at the end, he like to make he made the world. He sacrificed his like being with his family for his family so that the and the world. He wanted the world to be a better place, yeah. even though he knew that it was interesting because Deadpool is like, "Oh, you saved me with your last ability to go home because you care about me." He's like, "No, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> like, I care about the world, basically. And even though he won't be able to be back with his family, which is terribly sad, it's like he he can make their future better. So yeah. it's a, it's a altruism, I think. And it's maybe not totally surprising for these types of yeah. movies, but it's a nice non-flat character, did, I guess. Did you like his transition from being kind of the villain to kind of a, one of the heroes? Yeah, yeah. because it's like... You can see how people's self-view and their behaviors also change because it's like I think he viewed himself as a hero from the beginning mm -hmm. and then he started working with them for his own benefit. Mm -hmm. And then it really changed into this broader thing. I mean, it is it is sad, although it's a total makes sense thing that a lot of these heroes, I think this happens in real life too, do end up sacrificing time with their family and other types of personal things for a greater cause. Mm -hmm. you know. So I guess that's kind of realistic it's yeah. just too bad yeah absolutely um and what did you think of the post-credit scenes 
They were very good. How about you? I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, t- I'm talking too much about my opinion. I, I know people really hated that depiction of Deadpool from uh, X-Men mm. um, origin or Wolverine origins, whatever combination of those words. I don't remember what it was. Um, and it was kind of confusing, too, because now this universe is connected to that universe. But now Deadpool has gone back and killed himself. And that's, I mean, none of it, it makes no sense whatsoever, but that's Deadpool. It doesn't make sense, and, and that's just part of the character. Just gotta ride with it yeah, and I deal liked, with it. <laughs> when he went back and stopped himself from being Green Lantern, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was good. The only other thing I wanted to make sure to comment on that I thought was ridiculous was, like, with everything good on the internet, or everything good in the world, there was people being dumb on the internet <laughs> who were uh, mad that Domino was played by a black woman. Uh, which um, That's not how the character's depicted in the comics. In the comics, she's kind of like just ashen. Like, okay. Like she's just, you You would not be able to tell what color her skin oh, is. Okay. It's like gray, basically. Okay. And then she has the white Domino mm-hmm. around her eye. Uh, that's all I had to say was just I, rolling yeah. my eyes and, okay. and just like, come on, people. I know. I don't know. Yeah, she she was she was so fun, and you can really see like she's really the only hero in X Force with any yeah. with talent and skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like she's fun to watch because she's clearly like she has this luck power, but she's also just like she can fight, and she's just like pretty cool. Yeah, do you, I noticed the X Force people were kind of doing the same. Uh, arm signal as the folks do in Black Panther. I was yeah. wondering if that was intentional, kind of a play on it. Black yeah. Panther's referenced a couple times in the movie, so I wondered if that was another You mean reference. their ex look like the Wakanda yes, forever? Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. For listeners at home, I just did the gesture. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, that's all my thoughts about Deadpool 2. Or if Two you're listeners up. in the car, I still did the gesture. Yeah. Wherever you're listening. Wherever you're Out listening. on a walk, wherever. Yeah. And take us with you, which yeah. is why podcasting <laughs> is so fun. Great movie. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I'll I'll watch it again. I, yeah. I don't have the first one on Blu-ray, so I don't know if, if that bodes well for the second one on Blu-ray, but we'll see. The Blu-ray test is yeah. important. Well, so I, one negative thing I will say just to prove my that I have some... I'm not always universally positive. I did think some of the action sequences, unless I was missing something because I didn't have the context from the first movie, could have been edited to be made shorter. I felt like mm-hmm. it sometimes took them a while... They, it seemed like they had some scenes that I didn't really understand why they were mm-hmm. there. Like, they could have cut down some of the time in between. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I noticed that, too. So, if I'm remembering right, and I might be wrong on these numbers, I think the first Deadpool had a budget of, like, $60 million, And this one was, like, $110 million. So, they had a lot of money. And I thought that some of the CGI felt a little sloppy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than I felt like in the first movie. Mm-hmm. But, so, there. We're non, yeah. we're non-biased. So it's not like, it's, and also I think the comparison to like Infinity War, which oh, I yeah. didn't find a dull moment in it, New. also set me up for like finding things to be slow moving after yeah. that one. A Quiet Place too. that was a very, and, and Blockers was also very well paced. A lot of high bars. <laughs> okay, let's go to our last movie. Okay. We're already at a half hour. Okay. Uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Yeah. Um... The the story of young whippersnapper Han Solo, <laughs> not even his real last name, as we learn. Yeah. Just a last name given to him by an Imperial recruiter. For being alone. For being alone and not, not having a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, interesting movie. I, I don't... 
I'm not sure I loved it. Mm -hmm. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I can't tell you why quite yet, because we just saw it a couple hours ago, and yeah. I need to think about it a little bit more. But I thought I thought it was good. It wasn't yeah. my favorite Star Wars movie. I think I was too. I had too high of expectations, is maybe what it was. It was different than I expected too, because I thought we'd learn a little bit more about like him growing up. Like it was truly a. It was a Star Wars story, right? It's yeah. like a specific thing, and you get some idea of where he got to where he was. But I'm kind of interested in. What happened before that, and yeah. so maybe that was unrealistic of me. I mean, it felt kind of like Rogue One, although I thought Rogue One was superior to oh, this movie. But it felt kind of like that, where it's like you just jump right in and and really are just seeing one story as mm -hmm. it takes place, versus like um, where I think some of the canon Star Wars tries to go into, like with Rey and with Luke, you get a little bit more, and Anakin, obviously, mm -hmm. you get some of their childhood and mm -hmm. and how they get to where they're getting so it was kind of like a cool adventure story but i also like to know a little bit more about like yeah. well what why doesn't he have any family like yeah what what is going on here you know but instead it kind of launches right into it i mean they reference his father and that he built the ships yeah like, yeah of the class of the million falcon but where did they go yeah you know yeah so I, I agree with you. I th I thought that I prefer Rogue One a lot yeah. to over uh, Solo. I've watched that a number of times mm -hmm. since I was in theaters, and I I think that's a good movie. But yeah, I thought this was mostly just okay. Um, I thought that it, it, I got a little tired of everyone betraying people. Like it was another universe where no one was really good. Give us an escape when we go to the movie, just not a, like just I don't want more real life. <laughs> Uh, except for Han Solo and Chewbacca. Um, oh, yeah. They have a loyalty course, that cannot be yeah, broken. It can't be broken, and, and it just won't. Um, young Lando was very cool. His capes were awesome. Um, there was an interesting commentary on uh, droids kind of being slaves. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool, and kind of the liberation of them. And I like when the... They, I, I forget that droid's name, but... Was it I-4? That might have been it. I'll take your word for it. Uh, if not, yeah, at me. No, yeah. please don't. <laughs> Lando asks, uh, asks her, uh, "What do you no. want?" And she says, "Equal rights." I thought that was really yeah. Bad. Um, so I like that. Yeah, because like you, you were saying after we saw the movie, that's been kind of a question about some of the Star Wars yeah. movies, and it has been a theme from Episode Four on. I mean, all of them where there are clearly different classes of people and a hierarchy that goes yeah. from the top to the bottom on the dark side and the light mm -hmm. side of the force and there are people that are purely under control of others and like mm -hmm. the rebellion is tries to break some of that stuff mm -hmm. but the droids especially i mean that's a case where they are people they belong to people mm -hmm. but they often develop beyond just, I mean, they're beyond robots, right? There's an mm -hmm. affinity for BB-8, for C-3PO, for R2-D2, um, for in Rogue One, K... Yep, K. 20? I don't something. remember the <laughs> I think we're going to have to revoke yeah. our podcast title if we don't, <laughs> if yeah. we don't remember. But, but anyway, it, you feel it when they die, for example, right? Yeah. And so, but I did like how she became part of the navigational system and the Millennium cool. Falcon. I thought that was really cool. I actually liked... I think starting at the second half of the movie, I started getting into it more because I thought, like, it it's uh, much brighter colors. Like, the beginning is definitely oh, gritty. Yeah. That reminded me of, of Rogue One, yeah. you know, that it's kind of... Um, 
It's a downer, which is understandable because they're like trying to survive. And but like, I guess that shows sympathy for why Han is the way he is. Some parts were actually just too dark though, yeah. for me. Yeah, to, to just to be able yeah. to see them. <laughs> no, we I noticed the, that too. The biggest movie theater possible. We were at the ultra screen. Yeah. So. No, that, yeah, at the beginning it was, it was kind of like that. And it did start, and I, I'm sure this was intentional. It starts to get lighter and more. Yeah full of life and vivid as you go on but in the beginning it was a little bit hard even just to see it mm-hmm. um i th- i liked kira i thought that that character was mm-hmm. very interesting the thing about a lot of the characters there are many who are not po- all positive or all negative they're all sur- survivors which is what beckett who i thought was a great character tries to say like basically Everyone is just trying to survive, and in that capacity, they do really horrible things, but Mm -hmm. some of them also do really good things, including sparking the rebellion, which Mm -hmm. I loved that. I mean, I think that's the hope that you get Mm -hmm. towards the end of it, and so that's great. I think that the actor who played Han Solo, which I know people were concerned Mm -hmm. about, I loved how he looked at the the millennial... Millennium Falcon. I don't know. I'm having trouble saying that. He looked in love with it. (laughs) Like that part looked exactly to me like how Harrison Ford did when he in in Star Wars. Like you know, like just enthralled to be there and like so connected to the ship. And so like I thought he nailed that part of it for sure. What did you think about him overall? I thought he was good. Mm -hmm. I had concerns going in, but but that was not part of any of my criticisms or critical thoughts about the movie. I never got pulled out of the movie and like this doesn't fit a console i thought it was good i thought so too especially as he gets more like older and towards the way that Mm -hmm. he is because in the beginning like as a common theme in a lot of the star wars movies he's kind of you know he's kind of idealistic in his relationship and his confidence and things and then you see him turn a little bit more into like the clever mischievous arrogant i mean he's kind of arrogant from the beginning but you see him turn more and more into how he is and i the part of the character part that i really liked is when kira was like but they don't know that you're good that and and she's like that's what sets you apart and i remember like when i was watching the original star wars you don't know that he you don't know what he's doing he seems like he's just a smuggler and he's doing Mm -hmm. things to survive and it's all for him and he's an interesting character but then he ends up of course, like fighting alongside the rebellion, he yeah. obviously really falls in love with Leia, and so even though he he does these things that are not like classic, oh you're good all the time or something like that, which isn't how really people are in real life. She knows he has a good heart. Mm-hmm. He cares. He can't do something that he's knows is going to be intentionally destructive. I also like some of the um, like kind of references back to other Star Wars movies. I mean, the music, obviously. But I like when he and Lando, Lando says, I hate you. And he goes, I know. <laughs> like, yeah. I really like that. I thought that was cool. I, I liked that. I think this was a mistake when they did this the first time in the original uh, mm-hmm. movies. Lando calls him Han. Yes. And then they had that as part of it. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. And then hey, he keeps Han. calling him Han. that. Yeah. yeah, that that was great. And Donald Glover is a great actor. Right. And that character, I mean, the eccentricities that he has mm-hmm. with his, you know, capes and his whatever else. And just the way he talks mm-hmm. is is fun and i can see why they're they're making a a movie just for him i've heard recently now that they're making boba fett obi-wan kenobi and lando so of those i would love obi-wan kenobi that would be my favorite because he's got 
You get to see a lot of him already. I'd yeah. love to see more. And he is probably my favorite character yeah. in all of Star Wars yeah. canon. Yeah. Like he's just a, a pillar of doing right, uh, and, or at least doing what he thinks or thinks is right. I would love that. And didn't Ewan McGregor say he would play him again? Mm-hmm. And I think he still has the look. He was recently yeah. in like season three of Fargo, and I think that, like, I mean... I could easily see him. Like, they could make him look a little bit older. He was the best of the prequels I thought of. Oh, yeah, I thought so, too. I thought he was really... He's also kind of an interesting person. Yeah. Like, takes, like, motorcycle trips, like, across... Really? I didn't know Australia or something? I don't know. Something interesting. I don't remember. There's a movie he made about it or something. Oh, cool. Anyway, what did you think of Darth Maul? That was a cool surprise, although it was kind of funny because I was, like, trying to figure out the timeline i'm like could it be too. is it him i don't know and he's talking but then when you explained to me that in clone wars he didn't actually die in episode one i was like okay that's really interesting they did that i don't like that that kind of requires that knowledge yeah though. it almost does because i was like let me i'm like setting up the timeline i'm like no i don't think that's right <laughs> me too i was like there's no way this can yeah. predate Mm-hmm. There's no way that Han Solo is that much older than like Darth Vader mm-hmm. or Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was like, there's no way I can predate that movie. So yeah, I thought that was a little interesting too, and I liked it. I thought it was cool, and I guess they're reintroducing him to the universe. But it also kind of felt like a throwaway moment because yeah. presumably that means there's a, a Sith who is still around at that time, but he never comes into the stories again after. Yeah, that, you know? that's a good point. So I don't know. Do you think that? At the end, she decided to go back because she didn't want Han to be negatively impacted. Like, she knew that they would hunt her down eventually and hurt them, and so she didn't want to take that risk. So she was just going to kind of do what she needed to survive. Or do you think that she, like, took some glee in being promoted up or something? Neither. Okay. (laughs) I I think that she thought that Han would never accept her Mm. for the things that she had to do to survive prior to that. Hmm. She hints at that at one point. That yeah. you, you wouldn't want to mm-hmm. know me if you knew what I've done. I think that's mostly what it was. So she saves him, but she still herself views that she belongs with the dark side. I think so, because hmm. she didn't seem unhappy about it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is it is hard because it's like they clearly had different paths. I mean, she they wanted to escape together, and then they obviously wanted to escape very badly. And I think that's an interesting notion that you would do a bunch of horrible things if you were in that kind of position mm-hmm. not everyone but some mm-hmm. people would be more likely i i have to think more about it and maybe we'll learn more about her as a character or maybe we won't i mm-hmm. don't know but i i think there might be a subtle difference between like doing what it takes to survive but also all like align yourself with a sith lord like, yeah that's pretty bad news yeah I don't know, though. I need yeah, to know more about well, her as that's, a character. Well, that's the thing. So it felt a little like Rogue One to me, just in that how fast-paced the story was. But I feel like in Rogue One, they at least gave you a little bit more of a background. Yeah. Whereas this, it was really like, you get some, like, you know, I, you know, um, my husband came to see it with us and mentioned that it seems like, like a Western. He actually mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. Should have brought him on, but... Um, <laughs> But he he liked it a lot because he felt like it went right into the action and into the Western stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas I tend to... I, I like stuff like that too, but I tend to... Like I said, I wanted to hear more about his childhood, I guess. Mm-hmm. And how he got to that point. So You're you're uh, feeding into like the stereotypical therapist. I know, I thought. I of, didn't even want to say yeah. it. I didn't. But I'm, but I'm interested in 
like, I guess more development of like what are influences and what do you look like over a developmental trajectory? I think it's possible to include that without reducing the amount of action though. And I think Rogue yeah. One is the example. Because yeah. I would say Rogue That's One true. has as much action. It's a war movie, yeah, yeah. it's core. But there's enough there that you learn a lot specifically about like Jen Erso mm-hmm. and like uh, how why does she hate like not just the Empire, but she yeah. just hates everyone who's like above. She doesn't want to look up at flags because she can't. Yeah, I exactly. I think you can include that stuff without taking away from the pace. Well, that was just, Rogue One was just very good. Oh, one of my favorite Star Wars nice movies. one-off. And yeah. also, it just connected and embedded within the story so perfectly. And I like that it was wrapped up at the end. This yeah, movie, exactly. I've got questions now. Yeah. I, I need to know more. I know. Will there be a solo, too, I wonder? See, and I don't know. That would seem weird to me. Yep. But I guess you can tell, like, endless stories in that universe. Yeah. It's just when it's someone like Han that you know a lot about because of how in-depth mm-hmm. that character is. It's like, I guess that's part of why I wanted more, too, is because I have, like, I'm curious about Han as a person, like, as a character, I mean, not as yeah. a person. He's not a person. No. I am aware of the difference. Right. <laughs> okay. That's all I have to say. Overall, yeah. I would give that uh, a two thumbs up, though, as I, well. Yeah, I think, I think it's worth seeing for sure. Yeah. I mean... It's it's just hard to compete given how high my expectations are for any Star Wars yeah, movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's all I've got. That's what we think. What movies have you been watching lately? Let not, us know. Not you, Katie, but the, the proverbial <laughs> you, the listener. You know what I've been watching lately. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more good podcast content. Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.